This is the book and the last episode of volume one. What are we gonna discuss today? This was an interesting week. Thought I was dying, but I'm okay. And all of the things that go through your head when you think that you're dying. Let me start with being single is really fantastic until you think that you're dying and then you think why the hell did I break up with the nurse and why did I break up with the girl that loved to bring me Advil and bring me water always made sure I was alive I went to the doctor and they thought they saw something I had a panic attack and then I called all my relatives one at a time I said please take a trip to California because I think I'll be dead in less than eight months turns out thank god it was nothing they saw something on a uh, cat scan and it was just a motherfucking thumbprint on a bitch's hand oh my god the healthcare system so fucked up that seven thousand dollars later they figured out I was gonna stay alive, well congratulations to the hospital, you got my money, that's okay, cause I'm feeling like I got a brand new, a brand brand, a brand brand, a brand brand new lease on life, I've never felt better in my life, I gotta got a brand new lease on life, and I've never felt better in my life. Oh, I called cousins who are doctors. I said, does this sound really bad to you? They said, yes, it does. I'm so sorry. I cried a little bit, but I was so fucked up in the brain that I actually couldn't even cry. But I tried to write things out and I couldn't even write shit out because my brain was going crazy. And I thought, oh, my God, I'm too young to go. But the doctor made a mistake and they really just saw something in a motherfucking x-ray. So listen up, all y'all. Basically, it comes down to this. If you're feeling good then you're probably good and I am feeling good and I should never have allowed them to x-ray me on just a basic physical but they did but now I am alive all that matters is the people that you love in your life and the people that you want to be around so when I got the perfect clean bill of health I cut off 16 friends that I'll never talk to again in my life but I'll keep the people that I love around and I only want to make really funny and really great content now. It's made life easy. This is a song that I just made up, but this shit really happened to me last week. There was a 40 hour period of my life where I truly thought that my podcast, my next movie, my marriage that's not happening, my relationships that are not going down right now would all never come to fruition. Life is motherfucking fragile. Fragility is the word I was searching for. Let's just wrap this motherfucking song up and be happy that I'm alive. I literally cheered on the phone when the doctor called. But the odd thing was I could barely hear him cause I was in a weird place I didn't have good reception so the first word out of his mouth I thought he said unfortunately. Thank god what he said was fortunately but in that little one second moment of unfortunately I had another panic attack and I almost fainted and I sweated out of my neck. But I'm okay. And here we are. Just kicking it. The wrap up episode volume one stories that need to be told. Had to bring the guitar. This is my guitar. Just, I just got to make shit up. But I'm here. We're alive. How good is it to be alive? The best. You know what I mean? You have a near-death experience, which I didn't even have, but I thought I had. It really changes your game. It really changes your game, man. I'll just, I'll just let, I'll let you know. If you've been binge listening, you know, I'm a, I'm a person that I like life. I l genuinely like people. I am a people person. I enjoy everybody, you know, very rarely do I have a problem with somebody. Although yesterday, some dude flipped me off for a long period of time while I'm driving and he just kept holding his finger up. And I thought to myself, I got a movie coming out. The trailer just dropped. Do I want to get into a street fight in the middle of Beverly Hills? 
of course, it was 50-50. I was like, you're just holding your finger up way too long, bro. Let it go. But I wished him well, and he went on his way in his tiny little car with a weird sticker on it. So it's all about peace, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a changed man. Los Angeles car tough guys. L.A. car tough guys. And I'm so weird that I noticed his little ass hand when he was flipping me off. I looked at his little weak hand, and I literally <laughs> was thinking to myself, I will kill you, bro. <laughs> You know what I mean? You got a baby finger for a middle finger. Put that finger down. I'll punch you in your hand and knock you to the ground. You know what I mean? I I'm all about peace right now. I don't have road rage. I just don't have it. Peace and serenity. You know what I mean? R.I.P. David Bowie. You know? Man, he was a genius. Love David Bowie. Uh, anyway... Strong week. Who's calling me? Oh, look, it's Danny A., the producer and star of my movie, A Stand-Up Guy. I'd love to answer it, but just not at this time, because who knows what he could be talking about. Uh, this is a great week. Is it not, Jordan? Unbelievable. Great week. week. I mean, not to mention, I'm alive. I'll tell the story. But our trailer dropped. People are really digging it. A stand-up guy's coming out February 9th, my second writing, directing piece. I'm really proud of it. It's really going to be fun. I hope people enjoy it. I'm actually, knowing that I'm going to live now for at least a, a little while longer, I'm actually, I have a different attitude now. Like before, remember, I was always like, you know, I'm, I'm so nervous for people to see it. I don't want to over-promote. You know what? I made it. Let's put it out there. I'm, I'm cracking it open. You know, enough of this humble shit. Like, here we go. Let people hear the voice, you know? Enough hiding. Absolutely. I'm coming out this year strong. Hopefully it's not out of the closet. <laughs> I'm coming out strong. It's fun. Damn. It's funny. It's exactly where it's supposed to be in terms of tone. The characters are fun. And just so everyone out there knows, and we've talked about it previously, but the movie is called A Stand-Up Guy. Written and directed by Mike Young. I mean, I'm, I'm, hold on. I mean, I'm writing and directing. I'm writing and directing. I gotta be honest. This was my dream. I, was, I dreamed as a kid, making movies. I used to follow a dog around with a camera and put a voice in and, you know, do a voiceover. Those are my first comedies. This is really fun, man. I'm loving it. I just hope they keep rolling, you know? Hope they keep rolling. Hope people enjoy it, and you just put it out there. And my whole thing is express. Don't impress. I'm just here to express, make you laugh, make you think, make you feel, and hopefully you're digging it. And that's it. We're putting it out. February 9th, the stand-up guy comes out, and I'm alive to tell the story. Man, I'll tell that story real quick. I had a scare. I had a scare. I had a full, real scare. I went to the doctor. Every year I go to the doctor. My father died young. I, I've lost a lot of relatives. I've, had, I've been through a lot of tragedy at a very young age. There was a 10-year stretch when I was from like 12 to 22, literally, somebody that was close to us passed away. And it really shapes you. It really does. And it can do one of two things. It can make you better or it can take you to the left and you go worse. You know what I mean? You can be a person that, you know, becomes a rebel and fuck the world and blah, blah, blah. But I went the other way. I'm like, yo, life is fragile. I know what tragedy is. But needless to say, it makes you a little bit of a hypochondriac when you've lost a lot of people. So I went to the doctor you know, my, my yearly physical doctor's like, listen, you're great. The blood counts. Great. Everything's good. You're good. You don't need to come back for two years. I said, listen, doc, this is going to sound crazy, but my dad died very young from pancreatic cancer. And I'd like you to just look in my stomach with a, do the ultrasound. You know, my uncle's told me about it. He said, it's a good idea to get. So fine. You know, your health insurance is only going to cover it. If you say you have a stomach ache. Okay. Well, guess what, doc? My stomach's fucking killing me. Put me in the machine. Go get the gel, whip it up, give me the nurse, rub my belly, see what's going on. Meanwhile, I felt fine. I go, they do the ultrasound, I see the doctor, we sit for the end of end of physical consultation, and he says, You're great, I see nothing. You know, it's you're a little gassy, of course, because I was probably eating broccoli and drinking tequila the night, the night before. <laughs> 
So he's like, you're a little gassy. Uh, you can't really see everything, but the pancreas looks good. Okay, thanks, Doc. I go on vacation. Great vacation. Home with the family. Nephews, brother, mother, love. New Year's. Feeling great. I don't want to come back for two years. I get back to L.A. The poster, the one sheet for the movie comes out. The trailer's dropping. What a great day. I have a great lunch with Rappaport. We're talking about our Detroit thing. We're just vibing. I'm, I'm feeling great. I get home. I see doctor. My doctor Granoff is calling. I'm like, why is my doctor calling? Did I not pay a bill? Like, what's going on? I answer the phone. Hello? Michael, Dr. Granoff here. Hey, how are you, man? How are you? Let's get to it right away. Let's just get to it. Uh, just, you know, it's odd. I looked over your x-rays and I know I told you everything was fine, but unfortunately I see a mass on your liver. Now let me tell you something. They need to fucking change the terminology. The word mass, they got to find a new thing. They got to start calling that like, I find a tiny thing that can easily be removed if the, if we have to on your liver. Mass sounds like fucking you're going to mass. Like it's a mass. It's massive. I found a two-inch mass on your liver, and we are worried. We are concerned about this. We need to get you into a CAT scan immediately. Obviously, my heart's racing. I, you know, I'm, I'm sweating. I'm about to faint in my living room. It's raining from El Nino. I'm alone in a dark room being told I have a mass on my liver. Doc, get me into that CAT scan as soon as possible. We'll try to do it as soon as possible. I'll call you back later. No, no, no. Let's, let's get on the books now. He calls me at 2.30. By 6 o'clock, I've called 19 relatives. I've cried to my brother. I told him, do not tell my mom anything. But he's got me in a fucking CAT scan unit at 6 o'clock at Cedar sinai I go over to Cedar sinai They give you this nasty-ass shit you got to drink. They stick an IV in you, and everybody tries to pretend like you're going to be fine. I'm in a full depression because I think it's over, and I'm going to the worst-case scenario. Even though I talked to my cousin, and she's like, you know, liver cancer, God forbid it's that. They've got, you know, medicine is so advanced now. They can cut it out. I'm like, you know, who do I say goodbye to? What is everyone going to say at my funeral? Does anyone even care? You know, I, call, I called Saget. I was like, I said, man, I don't know what's going on. He's like, did I look fat in my Instagram? I don't even think he heard what the fuck I said. He just wanted to know how he looked in his Instagram. I called, you know, I talked to my brother. Immediately he books a ticket. Here we go. I go into the CAT scan unit. And I'm just, I am a hypochondriac. So every person that's even involved in this thing with me, like at a lot, the guy that puts the IV in, the guy that gives me the, the nasty fluid, the nurse that checks me in, I'm talking to all of them. What do you think this is? How do you, what do you think is going to happen? What's the worst case scenario? And they can't talk to you because legally they can't even discuss your case, but they all try to appease you and they're like, you're going to be fine. I'm sure it's going to be okay. And I go, I do the CAT scan. The Dr. Granoff calls me. He's like, Michael, I'm going to have your results first thing in the morning. I'm out of the CAT scan at 7.30. I'm on my couch in a dark room, raining, depressed at 7.45. Of course it's raining. Of course it's raining. What's going through my head is the irony of life. Poster comes out. Trailer comes out. Mike's dying. That's how it goes. It's a song. You know what I mean? That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, of course, this is what happens. I, the day of beauty is the day of death. So, meanwhile, between the hours of six, of the two thirty and nine o'clock at night, my nerves had eaten the inside of my body, and I'm I, I, I lost six pounds in a day. I literally, there's two great ways to lose weight: heartbreak and thinking you're dying. Both of those work great. If you think you're dying, you drop ten pounds. I literally, I mean, it was just, it's it's amazing what nerves can do to you. My brother's like, listen, just write, write shit down, journal it up, write things off your chest. I looked at what I wrote, nothing made sense. It was, I was forcing myself to try to write, but I was so confused and like depressed, sad, there was nothing for me to write. I, I just was lost. I was scared. Morning comes, I'm waiting. Obviously, I don't sleep that night. I don't sleep at all. I'm dreaming about CAT scan units and weird tubes that you're stuck under. And I, I wake up and fucking, you know, I'm thinking 740. Maybe the doctor got in early. He'll call me right away. 815. Well, you know, he's a doctor. Maybe he got in 815. 9 o'clock, nothing. 920, nothing. Fucking 10 o'clock rolls around. Connolly calls me. He's like, young, we're pitching Sony today. Don't forget. I got to fucking pitch at Sony that day. <laughs> My mind is elsewhere. He calls me. He's like, meet me at Earth Cafe. Kev, I don't know, bro. I think it's over for me, man. I don't know what's... Shut up. You're fine. 100% I know you're fine. It's just a liver thing. It's probably a thumbprint on the camera. 
he's always good to make you feel better because he's a guy that's been through tragedy too. So I'm like, you know what? I'll fucking get out of the house. I go 1130, whatever. Still no call from the fucking doctor. And I've called twice. I get to Earth Cafe. I get a coffee. It's loud in there. I see the doctor's calling while I'm in the middle of my thing with Connolly. Doctor's calling. I pick it up. I'm like, I don't even say hello. I'm like, tell me I'm going to live. Tell me I'm going to live. Michael, and they got to fucking do this protocol shit where they got to stretch out an opening sentence so they don't just go into it, which is like, it's like it took like them like a month to tell me what was going on. Michael, Dr. Granoff here. After further review, we realize this is nothing to be worried about. It's capillaries coming together. It's called a hemangioma or some shit like that. So you're saying I'm okay. You're saying I'm fine. Yes, there is no reason for alarm. Nobody sees a tumor. I'm okay. This is nothing. It's nothing, but I'd like to do an MRI just as a follow-up. Okay, so you're not sure that I'm okay, but you think you're sure. It, I'm telling you every now and then, if the chances are so slim. So now I'm like back to fucking half panic, but I'm feeling much better that he thinks it's nothing. We continue with our lunch. I tell Connolly, what's up? He's like, dude, I told you 100%. I knew you were going to be fine. It's nothing. They find these things all the time. Half the time, those ultrasound things don't even know what they're looking at. Plus, it's a racket. They just got you for another 2000 So I'm fucking, I'm okay. But now I got to go do an MRI in the morning. So they schedule that. So I go to Sony. I fucking pitch. In the middle of the pitch, I lost my way. I don't even know what I pitched. I was literally still thinking I'm dying. You know what I mean? And fuck these fucking pitches, man. They're such a bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? It's like you should just be able to write, just write the fucking show and here, read it and then tell me to go make a sizzle reel and I'll show you what it looks like. But pitching, I verbally get lost. I have a little bit of brain damage. Okay, I don't like it. Pitch Sony. Wake up in the morning, do the MRI. Oh, Michael, we're going to have your results by the end of the day. Guaranteed. You went in early, so I'm going to have them. Four o'clock, I'll call you. Motherfucker, I don't hear from him. The whole <laughs> night, I don't hear from him. The next morning, I call. Oh, Dr. Granoff's off today. Oh, is he? He's <laughs> off today? That's interesting because I'm on the edge of life and death. I need to know where he is, and he needs to call me. And obviously... A couple hours later, a 310 number that I don't recognize comes in. It's Granoff fucking half golfing. And he just calls. And I can't really hear him that well because I'm in a bad area. And I was actually on the treadmill at the gym. And it's fuzzy. And I'm like, I hear, Michael, it's Dr. Granoff. Unfortunately. What? He said, but he said fortunately. So I thought he said unfortunately. He ends up saying, so I'm fucking double panicked again. Turns out it is nothing. Thank God. And it made me realize when you feel good, you're pretty much fucking good. But it also made me realize there is a fucking hustle going on at the hospital. There is a fucking racket happening. They took me uh, like I was a car that needed just tuning up and fixing. And they, when they look for shit, they'll find shit. You know what I mean? So I went in, and I should have known the fucking ultrasound girl. She was on her cell phone. She wasn't even paying attention to the ultrasound. Who knows what she got right. That was an extra 600 in the pocket. My Writers Guild health insurance was fucked up because I had some—I I didn't see it. I don't know what I did. I forgot to reissue it at the end of the year. So I ended up having to pay cash 1000 bucks on the CAT scan. So they got me for 1000 on the CAT scan. And then the MRI, you know, I still, it was within a day, so the, my Writer's Guild shit didn't kick in. So I just went there knowing damn well, I'm not fucking dropping another thousand. You can bill me and take a risk on if I'm going to pay you or not. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> so I went in, I did the MRI. They By the end of the day, there's $3,000 in, in bullshit over there. And the bottom line is, I'm healthy. Thank God. And I got to be honest, though, it's almost worth three grand just to be told you're okay. But I'll tell you what, when you hear stories about these doctors and they're telling people in, like, that they have cancer and they're fucking racking up these bills, that to me is a worse crime than robbing a bank. Absolutely. You tell a motherfucker that he's dying, I will not, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll kidnap a doctor. If I, I saw that story, I think it was in Michigan, actually. 
I think it was Detroit. It was a fucking doctor telling patients that they were dying, and he was racking them up on cancer yeah, drugs. Chemotherapy. Chemotherapy, yeah. everything. Monster. This fucking piece of shit, man. They got to they gotta get that motherfucker. Like, I, I, we got to bring back the mob on that one. I mean, and from my perspective, because, you know, I, I saw you before, you know, you got the news that there might be something. You called me the night that it all went down. You know, the 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 darkest moment before darkest, the dawn. Darkest hour. And then, you know, when you got the good news, you're like, okay, we got to go celebrate. So it's like you, you had this, like, complete 360 degrees that, it, it, I mean, the, the 3,000, I mean, it, it pretty much bought you a new chapter of your life. It literally, I literally feel reborn, reinvigorated. I'm not even kidding. I got comedy, fresh new comedy out of it. I have a fresh new outlook on it. I swear to God, maybe everybody should be told they're going to die and then they get the good news. It really rejuvenates you. I mean, I am alive and happy to be alive and gracious. And it just, it really puts shit in perspective real quick, man. You heard my change. Absolutely. No, I think that everybody can kind of it see and hear your change because it just seems like you're more tuned in now. You're just, I mean, not to say that you're not, you're not a present person. You always are, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, you've, you've, you've got your second chance. It's like, this is, this is like your wonderful life. My wonderful life. And I'm looking at every day, every minute, every second, what are you going to do with it while you're here? And am I sleeping a little later than I wished? Maybe, but guess what? I'm, while I'm up and breathing and moving and walking and talking, uh, this is all, it's all good. Uh, there's no wasted time. And you know what? Fuck my boy, Dan, I've dropped his name a hundred times, but Dan Gilbert always said, he always said, man, time is your greatest commodity. And there was a quote today from David Bowie. And he's like, as you get older, I forgot what the exact quote, but as you get older, there's just a few questions left. How much time do I have? How am I going to spend it? And he was like, read, love, learn. I dig that. I gotta t- I gotta add writing into it, but I'm I'm on some reading, writing, love, learn, and that is it. And if I'm not fe- if you're not feeling the love, and I know how that might sound corny to some people, but that shit is real. You want to be around people that make you feel good, and 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 raise you up, and you can feel those energy vibrations. And I am not a hippie, but I know when I'm around a negative motherfucker and a negative group and I know when I'm around a positive group and it's it's literally that simple you can feel it and you know let's just let's just keep it going and keep it in a good positive direction you know and and we just keep it moving I'm glad I didn't get in a fist fight in the street that would have been negative but every now and then I could beat somebody up and say I love you you'll be all right it's so fun uh from my perspective and hopefully from the audience's perspective that you know we've all gone on this journey together now and now we're actually caught up to the exact point in time that we're at and we're joining you on this journey so you know probably the biggest scare that you've had to date I mean I got to witness it and now I'm witnessing the the revival of sorts. It's, oh my god! It, I mean, you know, you've been saying like, you know, I I've got this like this this new energy, this this new you know excitement for for comedy, for writing, and it couldn't be coming at a at a better time because you know where are we? We're we're sitting here, uh, you know, and it was the this all happened, and the culmination of it all was the Thursday before the Golden Globes. And Golden Globes in Los Angeles is Oh my god, the most fun one of the most fun weekends you can hope to have. And especially when you got one of your homies who's about to get nominated, who is nominated. What a what a what a time to be alive. Oh, I was so alive. Of course, you know, Leo won the Golden Globe and everybody went out and partied, but I was so emotionally exhausted from my near-death experience, I ended up ordering a chicken parm from Dantana's and sitting on my couch like a hero <laughs> and just equally loving life, eating a chicken parm and a chopped Tana the night of the Globes. So I didn't even go out. But you did before that. Leading up to the Globes, yes. I call last weekend chasing Leo. And I think I, you know, I've 
I don't know. We don't need to name drop, but I've been lucky enough to have him as a friend for many years. He is a great fucking dude. He's and I I, I want to say to him like, bro, you don't even need to play a superhero ever, cause you like you're like a superhero. You're like a real superhero. He's just a cool ass motherfucker who is the number one movie star on the planet Earth, and. This has been a great weekend, and when you, I've had 15, 16 years of it, and you know when you chase L to the bar and you go to a club with him, it's just on autopilot, and there are people around that are just working to make you have a good time. And when I look down and there's a bottle of Don Julio 1942 in a bucket screaming at me, please sit me. And there's 18 supermodels that barely speak English all standing around and I'm just collecting phone numbers as a single man. I just want to say, yo, thank you, L. Thank you for your amazing work because you are making all of our lives better. And it was, it's, it was a couple nights of just fun and fun. I'm going to write him a song. I'm not even kidding. Chasing Leo on Golden Globe weekend is the best time of your life. I am not in a movie, nor can I act, but I'm getting laid because of his amazing talent. I almost want to call his acting coach, even though he does not have one. He is naturally gifted, and I've been getting laid consistently for 15 years because of him. So I'd like to say, L, thank you for the Irish accent that you did when you were in a couple other movies. I would like to say, great job in Gilbert Grape, and thank you for Titanic when you said you were the king. Thank you for the job that you did in Blood Diamond, cause I got a lot of pussy that weekend I remember. And thank you for this Revenant movie that's incredible, I just got laid two times 50 hours, so being friends with you has been an incredible thing, and thank you for coming to my comedy back in the day, and all the people at the comedy club. They were so stunned to see you that they talked about it for about the next four years. And I just want to say thank you for being my friend, homeboy. I always got your back. That's a fucking fact. I know it's going to sound crazy to the people out there. But the fact is if you fuck with my boy, you get beat up by 19 people in the club. In the club. That's my little improv song. Chasing L. Jesus Christ. Is that bottle of 1942 specifically for your taste? Because I didn't see anybody else even looking at it. You know, look, I could say it is. I I don't think it's just for me. But yes, they know when I'm at the table that that's my drink. And, you know, the waitress, uh, the bottle service chick, when she sees me, she just knows, get the tequila, get get the Don Julio over here. So... This particular night, I think a couple people knew I was uh, coming off of a health scare, and it was a great night for me, too. Um, L had no idea about it, but I would never bring it to his attention, not on Golden Globe weekend. But a couple of my boys that were there were all were talking about it, and, you know, it's just, I'm just happy to be alive. And so I celebrated, I sub-celebrated. I was sub-celebrating, you know, and that's, that's how I do's it. You know, he was out there celebrating on a high level for um, his amazing performance, which, by the way, he should win the fucking Oscar because what he did with very few words in that movie is unbelievable. Like, literally, he could have not said anything and he deserves to win. His emotional range in this movie is next level shit. Like, I looked at that. I was like, yo, bro, you need a rest. Take a rest. You know, take a vacation. You deserve it. You got mud in your mouth, you're screaming, you're drooling, you're fucking crying, you're, you're fucking going up a mud mountain with a bearskin, 50 pounds of bearskin on your back. Relax, drink some water, sit down and get a massage. As if he's not doing that on a fucking yacht in St. Bart's. What a triumph. What a triumph, man. What a beautifully shot film too, man. Yo, the funny shit was he took the director to One Oak that night. Well, you were there. That was it. Was that the night you were there when the Thur- was that the Thursday? Did you see Inarutu, or was that on the Friday when you went to hide? You were. That's I, a great I, question. Man. I, did, I don't even. They're all blending together. I I, I, I did not see him. Um, but you went out 
back-to-back night. Did you go out back-to-back-to-back? Did you go Saturday, too? Yeah, I definitely went back-to-back-to-back. You were three—oh, back. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, I Come, went three and out. You went three nights? No wonder you didn't Absolutely. make it out for the Golden Globes. I'm surprised they're here right now. Yeah. And then a lot happened in the last—yes, a lot has happened. I haven't heard about it. Yeah. I want to hear about it. Yeah, One Oak Saturday night before the Globes was incredible. You know, we got our little table. We got our booth. You know, L, the whole crew— Tons of beautiful girls with accents. I was getting numbers and sipping Don Julio. Uh, DJ Khaled, who's dope. I think that's how you say his name. He was on the microphone, like getting the party going. You know, and then like there's like a gang of rappers that are like in the booth in front of us, and they're kind of standing up and sort of blocking our view of the dance floor, which I don't like, but I'm definitely not gonna start trouble with them. And they got like five or six bodyguards that are all too big to move, so but yeah, it was off the chain night and it was a late one. And it was just throw your hands in the air and celebrate the homie. And I was, uh, I've been in a great mood, you know? I don't think it's the deer antler. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's the new lease on life, man. And it just keeps on rolling. So, God, you know, I, so 2016, let's just make great content. You know what I mean? Let's hope some of these people buy these pitches that I've been pitching. And if they don't, it's okay. I got a couple other movies that I'm I'm writing right now. And uh yeah, man. It's just it's just good to be here, Jordy. And I'm loving I'm loving this outlet outlet of the podcast. I'm loving stories that need to be told. And I'm loving that I have a place to express. I've always dug radio when I was doing, you know, when I've been on the road doing comedy, especially Young American Comedy Tour. We did, you know, two years on the road, every radio station of every city we were in. I always love this medium. It's just, I don't think, I don't, I like listening and I like talking and I like just the ping pong of it all. And I think this is going to be just a great outlet for a lot of years to come, you know, because the stories don't end. Yeah, I'm sure that if uh, if podcasts existed when you were growing up, you would have been filming, giving the dog a voice and also giving the dog a podcast, too. I mean, this is a recent phenomenon. and It's it's exciting that we're giving so many stories at once. And, you know, we've been talking about it between uh, me, you and Miles, just like how we're going to move forward with the storytelling. I mean, you know, coming out with, you know, at times it's going to be single episodes, at times it's going to be blocks of episodes, at times we're just going to be dropping a whole nother volume on people. We're looking to shake up the game with this one. Yeah, I want to shake up the game and it's up to you. You know what I mean? Drop, you know, listen to five back to back, listen to one, listen to three, listen to that last one, listen to the first one. Whatever you feel, man, whatever you're feeling, just... I'm just telling stories and hopefully they're connecting, you know, hopefully they're connecting. And I'm looking forward to just getting out, you know, I'm getting on the road this weekend with Saget and I'll probably come back, you know, I'll come back next week with a, with a road story, a nice little recap because going on the road with Bob's always great. And he's having a nice little resurgence himself coming off that show on Broadway, Hand to God, that he was incredible in. And so this weekend, yeah, we're going to do Royal Oak, Michigan. We're going to do Chicago, and we're going to do 90 minutes outside Chicago in some casino. And it's so funny. I'm already getting hit up by, you know, people. This girl I know, she's got a talk show in Chicago. She's like, will you do me one solid and see if you can get Bob on the show? And it's like, Bob just does his own thing. And I, I'm cool with, like, asking favors for certain things, like, if you got a dying cousin, I'll definitely get you a picture soul, uh, signed. But I, I can't tell Bob to ask Bob to go on your talk show. You know what I mean? Like, the guy likes to sleep. He's got a full fucking life, you know? He likes to, he wakes up early as hell, does his media, go and he goes back to bed. I'm not going to shake him up in the middle of the day. So it's like, I got to let this girl down early. Meanwhile, it's like, yo, I got the movie coming out. Put me on your talk show. Right. Let's talk about a stand-up guy, you know? Or how about this? I'll interview Bob backstage, bring your film crew, I'll be the guy interviewing. Right. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's in, it's very interesting. Very it, interesting. It's exciting that this is all coming together at the same time. I mean, you know, where we drop these episodes, volume one, all at once, stories that need to be told. Your stories continue. You know, you're 
your journey still going on. And we're going to get to give people the inside scoop of what it's like to have a movie that's coming out and going wide. I mean, it's already been exciting. I mean, we're sitting here. It's a little under a month out from the actual drop of the movie. And there's already been, you know, some articles that have been written about it. There's been uh, viral attention uh, courtesy of uh, Fuck Jerry and Bob, who made a video, you know, these are things that you don't see every day, especially not from an independent feature film comedy. Exactly. And that's, it's, it, that's a testament to Danny's tenacity. You know what I mean? Like our producer and star of the movie, one of the, the main who plays the gangster, Danny Abacasser, his tenacity is something I've never seen. He looks exhausted. I mean, he just walks around the earth tired. And you just know this is somebody who wakes up early as hell and he gets in his cave and he starts calling all his relationships and people that he knows. And because he does have a lovable quality, people respond. And so, you know, look at Saget called me. He's like, ah, your man, Danny, man. What I got to have to do shooting videos in my bathroom? What the hell's going on? <laughs> I, I, I keep saying yes to this guy. And he's just that dude who gets people to do favors. And because he was in the club world uh, for so long as a club owner and a promoter, and he, you know, literally since the time he's 15 to the time he's, no one knows how old he is. He could be 31. He might be 60. I truly can't. He's ageless. <laughs> but he has, he knows so many people and they like him because his job was to please people for 20 years and make sure you had a good time in his clubs, One Oak, Marquee, all those spots, you know, the Dream Hotel, every, every hot spot, Tao, every hot spot you've heard about in the world, this guy's been had a connection to, you know what I mean? When the king of Saudi Arabia's son comes to town and wants to have a blast in New York City, Danny gets a call. So he has amazing relationships, and people do love and respect him. So that being said, our movie is less than a month away, and he is on the path. He's definitely crafted uh, like a premium personality from, I mean, just even hearing you talk, and I, I know this about him, and now being friends with Danny, it's, it's, it's always exciting to kind of hear more and more about his backstory, but I mean... His personality is very, very unique. Unique. And he's he's gifted. He's a gifted actor too. So it's like, you know, just because he you know, he has he, he came from a different type of background, I mean, he killed it in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Different type of background meaning like Orthodox Jew from Brooklyn. Like this is the this is a hustler of a hustle. He's got the hustle in him. And he's got the work ethic, no doubt. I think he built up his stamina from being in clubs till five o'clock in the morning for twenty years. You know what I mean? So for him, putting in work is nothing. He's he learned how to stay awake for four days straight. Right. You know, on just on Red Bull and friendship. He's uh, but he's doing it right now, and he's got he's got Bob promoting, and believe me, soon you'll see dudes like Steve Aoki who are friends with him, and like. DJ Tiesto, who are friends of his, and big-time famous people, are go Sandler and Spade, and these dudes who he's known for years, and he's taking care of them. He's calling in his shots. He's calling in his favors. And believe me, you are going to see a lot of promotion and blurb about a stand-up guy. Saget talked about it on Access Hollywood this morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I heard we got a shout-out on Access Hollywood. So... You know, it's funny, man. This business, you can kind of, sometimes you're like a little hesitant to ask favors. and But it uh, maybe it's the new lease on life I got going. But at the end of the day, it's like, yo, we got a movie. We're proud of it. Do me a favor and please talk about it. You know what I mean? Life is short. I'm asking you to just give a shout out to the movie. I'm not asking you to, you know, do any major labor. So I think that mentality and if people just would just go along with it just i think it's just going to make the world a better place like pretty soon marketing won't cost major major dollars like you think it'll be like it'll be human beings talking about it through their social media or just expressing it and we won't have to you know go hire a fucking publicist a publicist for 10,000 a month I you mean, know that's the type of organic marketing that 
any film, television, or publication would like is is just word of mouth. Exactly. Word of mouth. Let me tell you something. All this social media shit is fantastic. It's great. But at the end of the day, there's a disconnect between human beings when it, when it comes to that. And I know this because from being on the road doing comedy, I you could tweet out this and tweet out that to a million people. But when I'm in a show, I'm not kidding, I, 65% of the people are like, heard you on radio, heard you on the radio. You heard you on the, like, they want to feel you, touch you. Saw you on that talk show this morning, the local talk show. They want to feel you. They want to, you know, touch it. They want to hear it. Just the social media thing, obviously, it's a monster in the world, but I'm telling you, there is a disconnect and I'd be down to fucking prove it. You know what I mean? Like I, I just, I just know it, my gut and word of mouth is huge. It's everything, you know, let the shit spread like wildfire. I just want people to, you know, just talk about a stand up guy and boom, tell their friends and you tell a friend. It's like that old commercial and he told two friends and you told two friends. If we all just tell two friends, we're going to be damn great. You know, and I'm glad you like the movie, Jordy, because like, you know, we've talked about before, making a movie is a motherfucker. It is a task. It is heavy lifting on so many fronts. And that's why, like, I could never be a critic. You know what I mean? Like, I could tell you if I like a movie or I don't like a movie and I could tell you why, but I could never shit on somebody who attempted to make a fucking movie after knowing what it's like. Like, I don't know where these people get the balls, man. Some of these motherfuckers, they come at you hard. Like, I've seen a couple people in Variety, like, just go angrily at, like, some of my friends who've written movies. And they buried me on my man as a loser. And it's like, motherfucker, if you even knew what it was to work one day on a movie and, like, have to be up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, deal with 100 people and tell the same, everyone tell the same story and how important every single human being that's involved is, you would never fucking write this piece, you bitch, hiding behind your little pen, you know what I mean, and your whack-ass newspaper that fucking misspelled Marlon Wayans' name last week. Right. What the fuck kind of periodical are you going to call yourself when on the cover or whatever that, you know, I get my emails from Variety? How the fuck are you? The, the thing said Marlon Mayans start Marlon Mayans. How the hell does he not show up at the door of Variety with nine Wayans brothers <laughs> and go, yo, man, all you need to do is get my motherfucking name right. Yeah, just flip the M upside down. Upside down the M, buddy. You know what I mean? Crazy. What are you? I find, we're finding spelling errors in your on the cover of your paper. God, man, I, I wish I wish the level of care, you know, around here or just around the fucking planet would go up. I mean, it's you know? it's just so much easier to tear down than it is to build up. It is. It, it, that's a, that's the truest fucking statement. It, it, that that even goes into stand up comedy. Look at the negative comedians who like they're they're and some of them are funny, no doubt. But it is fucking easy to go negative. It's easy. I could pick anyone apart. Oh, look at you, bro! Fucking squatty shoulders and fat arms. Would you fly here? It's fucking like it's just easy to be negative. You know, it's difficult to tell a fucking story and be a comic like a Richard Pryor or an Eddie Murphy or a Carlin who's got multiple layers and flavors and opens their heart and fucking tells you the truth and makes you laugh. Going negative is, is that's the easiest shit. That's why I got to be honest, Ricky Gervais, he, he got negative a couple times on that show. I was, like, I was like, yo, bro. Why can't you punch him in the face? Like, <laughs> is there a law against fighting backstage? It'll just, the ratings will go up. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. There's, I don't know. I wasn't feeling that. Like, I don't know. I'm pretty good looking at people. I was like, this motherfucker just looks anti-Semitic. You know what <laughs> I mean? And like, he's having too much fun poking fun at the Jews and like too much fun dogging people. I don't know, man. It was interesting. Put your fucking beer down, bro. Put your beer down. Have some respect, okay? We get it. It's all a facade. All we're doing is providing entertainment. That's all it is. It ain't no big deal. No one's curing cancer. But actually, they have found that laughter is actually true medicine. So we actually are doing some good things. I mean, but that's, put your fucking beer down. Do you remember what we were talking about in the club? Uh, we were saying that 2015 was the year of you know the, the glass half empty. 
you know, and we've talked about it on the show before of, you know, that an- the anti-heroes were so prevalent throughout 2015, especially on television. Uh, and, you know, 2016 is going to be the year of the happy. Absolutely. The life, the life is cyclical. And this year is going to be the year of half full. I am half full. And I used to be half full, you know, but throughout time, you know, I definitely, you know, I never, I've never been half empty, but I've definitely, you know, been numbed, you know, a few times. So yeah, 2016 is the year of half full, is the year of good content, is the year of, I don't want to say, is the year of being human. You know, like I pitch these shows right to the networks and like, oh, the agents call with a follow up call. And it's like I, I called everybody yesterday and I was like, yo, give me the email of the people that we pitched. I want the email of the people at FX. I want the people. Just give me the email. They gave me the email. I just sent a note like, yo, thank you for having us in there. And I know pitches can be frayed at times, but just so you're confident, here's a couple of my trailers. And just so you know, we will put an amazing staff together. And if you like the show, let's do it. Like, I'm not leaving any stone unturned in 2016. You know what I mean? Like, this is the year where I'm going, if whatever we're doing, business-wise, whatever we're doing in life, say what you feel and don't no regrets. I don't want to be like, oh, I could have said that to this dude in the me. I should have said that. No regrets. We're all just human beings. Everybody wants love and connection. And that is the motherfucking truth. Yeah. I don't give a fuck if you're the president of the fucking network or, you know what I mean? We're all just in this for a minute, you know? So let's just, let's just get it right. And I mean, those who connect with you the most are going to be the ones that you want to work with the most most likely absolutely shared minds like minds you know absolutely and i've been fortunate enough on the last two projects to have like-minded people in our circle you know what i mean and you got to build that from the from the center out you know and it's like that's why you see successful camps you see a successful camp you know you got will ferrell's got his crew that he always likes to work with and they're they crush it because you know they love what they're doing together they're friends doing it you see Apatow and his little crew doing their thing and you know and now we're building a crew and I want to come crush crews hands down let's go you know what I mean gloves off hands down let's go for that fucking crown I mean that's what we were saying is that you know a lot of the shows that that were on in 2015 a lot of the movies they you know, the glass half empty. And, you know, I hear what you're saying about how you've never been a glass half empty type of person. I've never seen you as a glass half empty type of person. Fortunately for us and those that you're pitching to, the work that you make is predominantly glass half full. Yeah. Even the darker stuff, you know, Detroit's not necessarily the happiest tale ever. I would still, I'll still call that a glass half full type of story with a, a glass half full hero who's trying to make the best for his family. Absolutely. And then you go down the line, you know, you've got the Kanye story just trying to, to make it in Los Angeles. Yeah. Single Mike is probably the greatest example of a glass half full individual. And that's you. Hell that's yeah. That's your brand of comedy. That is. That is. That is. Single Mike is fully, he is glass half full. And shit is happening and it's entertaining as hell watching it go down. It's taxing on my personal system because I'm living it. You know what I mean? And it takes, it's it's tiring. But it is, I, I am half full, man. I've always been. I think that's in your DNA. Like my dad was half full. My mom's half full. Yes, does she say some wild shit sometimes? Does she have a crazy great sense of humor and a quick wit that could put you down fast? Yes, but... Glass half full is how we came up, you know, and that's like, and I had every reason to be glass half empty. You know what I mean? Literally favorite aunt commits suicide when I'm 12, uncle suicide at 13, grandma, grandpa, dad, all gone within, I could have, I could have gone half empty quick. But that's that perseverance. That's the human condition. That's why people not only want to but need to hear and see the stories that you create because you have gone the gamut of the human emotion for sure i could say that listen i haven't been you know my family wasn't tortured in a village in zimbabwe but i've been through some motherfucking wars and i'm still glass half full you know why because you gotta just you just have to be conscious 
or con- you just got to be a conscious human being. Like when all that shit was go- happened to me when I was young. Yes, did I, I have a week or two weeks of negative behavior? Yes, I was stealing. I was fighting. I was just doing also. I was like, fuck the world. Don't ask me for shit. You know what I mean? I was on some real young rap mentality of uh, life is going to be short and I'm going wild. But luckily, I fucking figured it out quickly. I was like, wow, every negative thing that I'm doing is coming back to me every time. It Maybe not that day, maybe not that week, but somewhere along the line, I realized that karma was so real. And if I would steal a car radio, the next day I'd fucking get hurt on a bike. You know what I mean? Like if I stole, you know, I fucking did some terrible, I did some dirt. You know what I mean? Like I had a a band of misfit crew members growing up outside Detroit that were, yeah, I, I could have hung out with just the nice guys, but I went down a darker path for a minute. We robbed, we stole, we did shit, but like it always came back and got us every single time. I don't care if it was in the form of a stomach ache, a headache, or straight up getting caught by the police and having my dad smack the shit out of me and go, you ain't going to the football game, buddy. We just got a call from the Southfield police. Let's go. You know what I mean? Whatever it is, it wasn't my way. And that's why I always say, like, you know, my mom was a public school teacher for 25 years. She taught rough kids outside Detroit. And that's, I fucking believe in kids. I believe in, like, the youth. I believe that, like, regardless of what you're coming from, you could be okay. You know what I mean? No matter what. And going down that negative, now listen, there are brain disorders like sociopathic behavior and shit you can't control there's motherfuckers but but there's i'm speaking to the more the mass millions that are could potentially go the wrong route but have the ability to go the right route you know what i mean and i say trust me when i tell you do the right thing i can't believe i capped that story with a spike lee quote (laughs) But do the motherfucking right thing for real, because karma, if you live clean and listen, I'm single, Mike, I don't live clean, like clean. I'm not saying squeaky clean. I'm saying like, keep your karma clean. Have I been sleeping with a lot of women over the last few years? Absolutely. Is that clean? No. Am I a womanizer? Fuck no. I'm friends with all. We're all good. Everyone's good. I'm coming. I, I tell you the truth right now you know what I mean while I don't want to be locked down you know so just keep your karma straight if you can because the shit just comes back quick you know and even if you got shit karma and you made a ton of money that don't mean dick you know what I mean you make money and then you know what do you realize well I can afford what more food you know I don't know Dan Dan always had a he had a saying that says do do well by doing good do well by doing good. If you can do that, you're good. Now, whatever your good is, that's on you. You know, whatever your good is, believe me. I drove by a fucking armored truck today. I thought I'd be doing everybody a favor by robbing a bank. <laughs> Those fucking scumbag banks. So but whatever your good is, do good. So, you know, a big theme of your act that I, and it's a joke that obviously everybody always is into is you say uh, personality is making a comeback. Right. Yeah. And that was something that was, you know, it, it was completely true, especially, you know, as the country was going through a tough time. And, you know, so now as things have, you know, kind of sorted out a little bit and we're kind of going into a completely new era of, you know, 2016, there's going to be a fresh face in the White House. And, you know, people are kind of looking for, you know, some guidance where like personality is making a comeback. If personality's back, what's next? personality's back honesty is the next level of personality making a comeback oh please honesty we're about to we should have a a holiday just honest day it's honest day you know what i mean babe today your breast stinks you're making me you're making me sick i love you but today i want to be away from you and i'd actually like 48 hours of time away that should be okay to say Honesty, it cleanses the soul. It's why therapy is a huge business. It's like, I'd say if personality was making a comeback, honesty's making a comeback now. Honesty oh. is coming back. How about this is the year we got nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. Yeah, you know? what's with all the, the cloak and dagger? Just be, put yourself out there. Put it out we're there. We're going to find out. You're not Houdini. We're, <laughs> we're going to find out if you've got some shit. 
especially in Hollywood, it's the most find-outable town of all fucking time. I see you, homeboy, in your fucking hipster wear and your skinny jeans with your fake-ass beard that you stole from a backup bass player in Mumford & Sons. I see you, bro. I know you're from a tiny-ass town in Kentucky, and I know that your fucking family's poor as shit. Guess what? That's okay. That's okay. You don't need a full fucking reinvention. I mean, listen, to be creative and reinvent, that's great. But don't come out here living a lie, because you're going to be found out. So play that hipster shit all day long. But when we go eat late night and you order fucking grits and they don't have them, we know where you're from. Exactly. You know what I mean? Stop pretending. You know, when you're excited, when you're, when you, when you're asking the waitress for hog on a plate, they don't have that here. <laughs> we know where you're from. You know what I mean? <laughs> When you're fucking looking for Waylon Jennings on fucking 88.5, you ain't going to find him. We we know where you're from. Everybody just be a fucking, this is the year of being human and just being honest. And, you know, I think for the next volume, and I, and I think this is going to kind of lead into the honesty, I kind of enjoy just singing songs that I make up on the spot that are based on what I've just gone through for the weekend, you know? So I think that's going to lead into the theme of I'm just going to kick off every episode in the new volume with an upfront little theme song of we'll call it a recap, the recap song. And it'll be based on what I had just gone through that weekend or whatever's on my mind. And I'll kick that off and then we'll roll into our subject matter. And in volume two, in the next volume, you can absolutely expect guests because I've got some really cool guests lined up. But I never want to be dependent on guests on this show. And I want it to get to the point where people just come to me and go, yo, Mike, I just want to, I want to come on. I want to talk. So that's how that's going to happen organically. And we're probably going to get to a little cool point in the next volume where we're going to take a couple phone calls, you know? And because it's podcast and not radio, I'll still let people know what time we're in here. You can call us up and we'll talk it out. And because part of my whole single mic thing and part of my thing is, for some reason, people, I do dole out advice. I think it's just I've been through so much shit. I can really give you advice and I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, you're like Ann Landers. Everybody's coming to you. I mean, when you got friends who've been famous for 30 years calling me going, what should I text her? I think I know something. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, bro. Less is more at this point. You know what I mean? You're 30 years of fame. You could actually say nothing. Let them call you. The fact that I have to tell you that, it boggles my mind. But yes, I do feel like I have a little bit of wisdom. And I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to learn all I can every day. But there's going to be, we're going to take some phone calls. We're going to talk through relationships. Because for some reason, I've been through a tornado of, of many of them. And I'm gonna I'm gonna help you out, fellas. I'm gonna help you out. You ladies ask, too. Ladies, give me a call. You wanna know what the dudes are thinking? You just tell me your scenario and I'll tell you what the dudes are thinking. And I guarantee you your money back if I'm wrong. I've been there. I'm the dude. I am that dude. I've been I've done it all. Whatever your man is telling you, I said it before. You know what I mean? And I'll tell you if he's bullshitting. And it ain't that difficult to figure out. Yeah, we're going to be those phone call guys. We're going to be very prevalent on social media. People are going to be able to reach out to you. At uh, Real Mike Young on Twitter. Yep. Uh, and uh, we're, we're also just going to be out there, you know, coming to you strong from the Play.it network on CBS radio. I mean, they don't just give anybody a show, ladies no. and gentlemen. And I am truly blessed and grateful that CBS has given me this opportunity and Jordan I am truly thankful to you and Miles for putting this together and making it dope and giving me a platform to express Uh, you're my boy and I got your back and yeah let's tell them where they can find this forever and for volume two we'll make it simple but I know yes my Twitter is at real Mike Young my Instagram is the real Mike Young. I will get better on social media, but I want to talk to you. I want you to, I want you to, I want you to call up. Let's let's communicate. And where can they find the podcast at all times? You know, we're gonna start it out with play.it slash Mike Young. 
That's going to be the home base for all things stories that need to be told. We're going to be on iTunes. We'll be on Stitcher. We'll be on TuneIn. And we're, there's going to be so many places you can find this place. There's not going to be uh, a podcast platform that you won't be able to find this podcast when it's all said and done. And most importantly, I mean, now that we've given you uh, just a, a bingeable amount of podcasts, you have to subscribe. Yes. Please subscribe, subscribe. I will say it many times. Subscribe, subscribe. I will say it many times. Subscribe to stories that need to be told. Because we're going to be coming hard. We're coming hard. We ain't playing games. We're coming hard. We're coming with many episodes, you know, and we are going to be dropping binges. So you can binge on stories that need to be told. Jordan just told you where to find it. And looking forward to just connecting. And that's all this is about this year, connection. So God bless everyone. Hope you enjoyed that first volume. And I will talk to you, see you, hear you, and feel you on the next volume.